Well, this morning we're going to continue right in Mark, and we're beginning chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at, at uh, a familiar story to, to many of us, um, of the four friends who to, um, they bring their crippled friend in to, uh, to lay before Jesus so that he might heal them. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to stand as we read the Word of the Lord together this morning. The Word of the Lord says this, When he entered Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the Word to them. They came to him, bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their heart, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astonished and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Once again, I thank you for the chance to gather together. Thank you for the blessing of the technology of the internet that allows us to worship you in song, to open up your word together. We pray that, that this awful disease would, um, would go away. We pray that, these, that, that, that that curve would flatten. That you would heal those who are sick right now. You would hasten the day when we might be able to gather together again. This morning, I pray you'll speak through your word. As we look at these friends who did whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus, may, may we have the same desire. Even in these days of chaos and, and uncertainty, may we have the same desire to do whatever it takes to share the gospel with them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat there in, in your living room or dining room, wherever you may be this morning. So what we see here today is, is just an incredible example of, of friends who have a faith in Jesus to heal. We're, gonna, we're actually going to look at five things this morning. I promise they're not going to be long, but five five things that we see here. The first of all, we're going to see the, the Savior's captivation. In, in fact, in, first, in verses 1 and 2, we're told, when he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Remember, we, we saw at the end of chapter 1 last week that they were told Jesus could no longer openly enter any town because the crowds would just swarm to him. And so here he is, he's, he's come back to, to Capernaum, which will become the home base for his 
uh, for his ministry. And it kind of makes his home probably at, at Simon Peter and Andrew's house, or at least at their, at their mother's house. And uh, so he's, he's there. He's come back home and, and word gets out. And as soon as the word gets out, we're told so many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. This, this house just gets flooded with people coming in to hear Jesus. There's, they're, they're standing room only. People are packed even, even at the doorway. You know, I'd imagine there are people crowding around right outside the doorway, just straining, trying, trying to hear what Jesus is saying because he's, he's preaching. See, Jesus drew a crowd like, like no one in history. People were just fascinated by his teaching and certainly fascinated by the miracles that he performed and, and hoping that they might see something incredible. See, see here this church... Jesus draws people to himself. When, when, when he begins teaching, when he begins preaching, people come. I wonder if in our day and age, if we've tried to dress Jesus up too much. And instead, we, we simply need to, like Spurgeon um, said, we need to not, not try to dress up the word of God, but, but like a lion, you just let it out. And let it do what it says it will do. What would happen in our day and age if we just unleashed the word of God? Didn't worry about dressing it up. Didn't worry about making it fancy. But we just let it, let the word of God go. Let the word of God speak. What would happen if we proclaimed the word of God? Even in these days, if we shared the hope that we have in Christ. In a day and age when people are aching for hope. So we start there. The, the, the sa- people were captivated by the Savior. Then, then the scene shifts and, and, and we're presented to these, we're presented to these friends in verse 3. They came to him, bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. And seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Here we have the friend's confidence. Now, now understand this picture of friendship that we see here. They, they knew their friend was paralyzed, obviously, and they, they had heard something about Jesus, and they, they had the faith that Jesus could heal their friend. The four of them, at least the four of the friends and, and perhaps the, the, the paralyzed man as well, agreed that if, if they could just get to Jesus, he had the power to heal their friend. So they grab his stretcher, take him to the house, and so we just saw it standing room only. There's no way to get through the crowd. Now at this point, many people might have said, well, you, you, know, you know, bud, we tried. Um... You know, if it, if it had been the Lord's will, we, you know, the crowd would have parted. And it's just, I'm, I'm sorry, we did everything we could. We, we got you here. And it just it wasn't in the cards today. These friends refused to, to take that for an answer. I imagine them kind of stand, standing around looking at each other for just a minute and saying, man, what, what are we going to do? I mean, there's no way to get, get through, the, get through the, the door. And maybe one of them even kind of looks away and in exasperation looks up and sees the roof. Now, now, keep in mind that in those days, most, most roofs were flat. 
And most houses had, had a stairway or a ladder that would access the roof so that they could, they could take care of, of the roof. Because the, the way that roofs were made in, in those days is you'd have had wooden beams that were laid down. And then sticks would have been laid across uh, crossways across the beams. And then on top of that, you had all kinds of uh, brush and grass and smaller sticks. And then about, uh, in some cases, up to two feet of dirt that were laid on top of that to, to, to stabilize everything and to prevent leaking when it rained. And in fact, um, there, there are even some reports of, of roofs in that day actually having uh, grass growing on top of it because of, the, of all the dirt that was there. So one of them gets the idea, hey, you know what, we can, we can go up to the roof. If we can't get through the doorway, we'll just, we'll just make an opening. We'll tear a hole in the roof and lower him down right in front of Jesus. It would be kind of hard for Jesus to ignore him at that point, wouldn't it? So that's what they do. They, they decide nothing's going to stop them from getting their friend to Jesus. So as Jesus is teaching, they go up on the roof and, and, and they begin digging through the dirt and then removing the sticks. And, and you can imagine in, in front of Jesus and, and maybe even the Pharisees who were, who were sitting right there in front of them that, that dirt begins to fall on them. And certainly there's, there's all kinds of racket that's happening. That's a distraction. And, and I wonder if Jesus ever stopped or if he just continued preaching the good news, even while people were grumbling and, and groaning and wondering why on earth these these young men are making all this noise. They lower him in front of Jesus. And of course, they're expecting Jesus to, to, to heal him physically, right? After all, that's why they've brought him here. And instead, look at what happens. Jesus looks at them and says, Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, what's interesting is, is up to this point, we're never told anything about about the paralytic's faith. We're obviously given the example that his friends had, had great faith. And, and I'm, I'm curious, obviously if, if, if Jesus forgave this, this man's sins, that means that he had some measure of faith because we know that we don't have the capability to save anybody else. But I'm wondering if, if in seeing his friend's example, seeing the lengths that they were willing to go to bring him to Jesus, if that didn't spark something in him as well. Him just simply saying, you know, if, if my friends believe this strongly in Jesus, maybe this is something I ought to look into as well. Jesus looks at them and says, uh, looks at him and says, son, your, your sins are forgiven. Now keep in mind, that's not why they brought him to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus because his legs didn't work. You can imagine that maybe even they're stunned look at each other on, on the roof as, as they lower him down and they hear Jesus say, not take up your mat and walk, but son, your sins are forgiven. And suddenly they're looking at each other thinking, what just happened? I'm sure the friends were confused. They weren't the only ones. The, the next thing that we see is the scribes' confusion, verse six, verses 6 and 7. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, don't miss this. Remember, the house is standing room only. We're told it was packed to the point that, that even the doorway was crammed. And right here, we're told the scribes were sitting there. No doubt on the front row, 
probably taking up as much room as they can because they're, they're really not concerned so much with other people hearing Jesus preach. They're concerned with trying to catch Jesus saying something where they can then uh, use that against him, this, this blasphemy. They can get, then use that to get rid of him. But these men wouldn't give up their seats to allow a few more in. In fact, I, I would imagine these are the folks who are uh, probably the most offended when the racket begins happening and, and their, their nice fancy ropes start getting a little dirty from the, from the dirt and the gravel and the sticks falling on them from the roof. I don't imagine they lent any kind of a hand to get this man on the floor. Rather, they're sitting back and and just simply questioning, I wonder who, how dare Jesus say these things like, your sins are forgiven. No one can forgive sins but God alone. To which the Bible would say yes and amen. They're exactly right in what they're, what they're proclaiming here, what they're believing. They're completely missing the point about what Jesus is um, saying in, when he says, son, your sins are are forgiven because at that moment Jesus is claiming to have the power of God. See, see here's the thing. We, we've talked about this before that, that in the Bible you, you will never find Jesus saying the words I am God. In fact, skeptics will often bring that up. You search through the, through the Gospels and, and the record of Jesus' teaching and, and you, you never see Jesus making that claim, right, with those three words, I am God. But what we see consistently is Jesus saying and doing things that only God has the power to do. In this instance, forgiving sins. God alone can forgive sins. And right here, Jesus, by declaring that this man's sins are forgiven, claims to have the power of God. The scribes are no doubt astounded by this and confused and angry because this goes completely against everything that they believe about God. And then, of course, Jesus in verses 8 through 11 goes on and proves to be exactly who he just claimed he was. Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus just claimed to be able to do something that God alone can do. The, the scribes are confused by this. Wait, he can't, he can't do that. God alone can forgive sins. Look at verse 8. Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves. So here you have now Jesus, uh, once again, proving himself to be God because he just perceived what they were thinking in their spirit, and he's about to call them on the carpet for it. He says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. Now, at least in the, in the Pharisees' mind, in the scribes' mind, it would have been easier for Jesus to heal the man than it would be for him to forgive sins. It would, be, it would be easier for, for him in their minds to, to perform a physical act than to claim to, to have this, this power that he doesn't really have. Look at verse 10. But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. There's the Savior's command right there. Get up, 
take your mat and go home. By healing this man's physical condition, Jesus is about to show everyone in that room that he has the power to forgive sins as well. The physical act of healing confirms the spiritual reality. No, don't miss this. Jesus never, in the Gospels, never heals just for the sake of healing. Rather, he's going to perform miracles like turning the water into wine, walking on the water, calming the storm, healing those with with various diseases and and, and ailments. He's going to do all that, not not just because he can, but in order that he might show that he has power over sin and death. See, this, this man's primary need wasn't just that his legs didn't walk, didn't work. It was that his sin had separated him from God. And so Jesus addresses his biggest need first. Jesus wasn't content to just heal his, his legs and let him keep on walking through this world to, to an eternity separated from God. Jesus was concerned that his Eternity was fixed before his temporal need was met. See, see don't, don't miss this. Even in these days of, of disease and, and panic still that we see certainly in our culture, our, our biggest need in our culture is not that the coronavirus would, would go away. Certainly, we, we would realize that that's a need, that's a pressing need. We, we want to eradicate that as, as quickly as possible. We're praying that that, um, that doctors and researchers will be able to come up with a vaccine to, to rid the world of this pandemic. But listen, that's not our, our ultimate need. And I think what we're, we're being shown here right now in these days is that so many things that we've, that we've relied on, so many things we've put our identity in, um, are, are not ultimate. And, and they are, in fact, if, if we're finding our identity in those things, or if we once found our identity in in those things. We've been building a house upon the sand, as Jesus told us in, in the Sermon on the Mount. See, our biggest need in the United States right now is not to eradicate COVID-19. It's that we might repent. We might trust in Jesus. And so if you're here and you're, you stumbled across this stream this morning, just, just looking for some hope, or you know maybe you saw it on somebody's Facebook feed, let me, let me tell you right now, your biggest need today is that you would repent of sins and turn to Christ Jesus. You would turn from sin and turn to Christ. Ask him to be your savior. And in so doing, your, your, your eternity is sealed and suddenly no matter what happens in this life, your hope will be found in Christ Jesus. And so whether whether we ever get back to whatever normal was before, whether things like baseball and football and basketball all come back. My, my, my hope is not in those things. Whether, whether my retirement account fully recovers or not, my, my, my hope is not in that thing. My hope is in Christ Jesus. I pray that yours is as well.
If you're watching today and you, you're not quite sure if you've, if you've trusted in Christ yet, if you've turned from sins, I would love nothing more than to be able to visit with you this week about how that can happen in your life. If you're watching on our website, we have a form at the bottom where, where you can just indicate that uh, in, the, in the prayer request section there, you can just say, hey, um, I, need, I need to know a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus. You can even indicate on that, on that form there that you've, that you've trusted in Christ this week or you want to know more about that. And I'll, I would love to get in touch with you and, and walk you through what that looks like. See, that was Jesus' command in, in verse 11. Take up your mat and go home. That, that's, that's, his, that's his command. We, we saw in, in chapter 1 that as Jesus went around preaching, his, his command to, to people was repent and believe in the kingdom of God. That's, that's the command that's issued to all of us. But it, then we have a choice in how we're going to respond to that. At this point, this man has a choice. Jesus has just told him, take your mat, go home. He just said, you're, essentially, you're healed. Now the question is, what would this young man do about it? Verse 12, we have his confirmation, where, where he has this decision to make. Is he going to trust that what Jesus just said happened actually happened? This is what we're told, verse 12. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So this is the moment of truth. This is going to prove Jesus to either be who he said he was or expose him as a fraud. And immediately, this man who is paralyzed stands up. And walks out of the room in front of everyone. Now, now listen, when they were trying to get him in, there, there was no room to get him in. But at this point, I don't, I don't think there was any problem with the crowd parting. And he walks right out of the house. And look at the result. They were all astounded and gave glory to God. See, brothers and sisters, here's what I, I'm afraid we miss often. Your story of experiencing the grace of God is meant to bring glory to God and to cause others to rejoice. The story of God's saving grace in your life is meant to cause others to give glory to God. Why are we so afraid to share that? Why are we so scared to tell others about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus? When we're told that the two things that will happen is people will be astounded. Now, sometimes that results in mocking. It's true. Sometimes it results in people turning and trusting in Jesus as well. And others giving glory to God. As we wrap up this morning, I want to close with Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. These will probably be familiar words to you. 
Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So as this man went walking out of that house, he was a living, breathing, walking testimony to the grace of God. And not just, not just to Jesus' power that he, could, that he could heal his legs, but to his grace and mercy as Savior that he healed his sin. Church, let's be the light of the world this week so that others may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance to gather together to open up your word, to proclaim your goodness, to declare our faith in you. May, may we be people, just as we've talked over the last few weeks, that we be people who, who have faith over fear and who worship instead of worry. God, I pray we would follow the example of the friends this morning, that, that we would go to whatever lengths it takes to tell those around us about Jesus. And we might follow the example of the man who was healed, because that's, that's where we all are. We, we, we are people who, apart from the grace of God, would be separated from you because of sin, and yet, because of your grace, our sins have been forgiven, and we've been reconciled to God. I pray for anyone that's watching this live stream this morning who has not yet trusted in Christ Jesus you would arrest their hearts this morning. Show them the great love that you have for them. The great lengths that you went to show your love to us by sending Christ Jesus to the earth. And as we prepare for this week, as we remember Christ's sacrifice on Friday, we rejoice in the resurrection next Sunday morning. I pray you would not let us just walk through this week like normal, but in, in the middle of stay-at-home orders, we would reflect on the weight of the gospel. we might share that reality with others. Help us never to simply take these truths for granted, but may we marvel in them this week as we prepare our hearts for Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done for us in sending Christ Jesus to the earth. We ask all these things in his name. Amen.